Hello and a big welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. My name is Selena. And I'm Maika. And we're here to discuss common barriers women face in our society. And provide you with top tips and information from high achieving women from all kinds of fields to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential and elevate your life. Hi team, we cannot believe this is the last episode of our first season. Thank you so much for all your support so far. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation we had with our guests and learned something new that has benefited and helped you to improve aspects of your life. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Alyssa Gilmore, who is a postdoctoral research associate and an active member of the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Committee at Imperial College London. Alyssa has previously been engaged in the battle for transgender rights in Ireland and continues to promote gender equality both in and outside of academia. Passionate about teaching, mentoring, and bringing the best out of people, she believes in becoming the role model you wish you had. This episode was truly eye-opening for the both of us, and we hope it will be the same for you. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. Okay, so Alyssa, welcome to the podcast. It's great to having you here. Maybe for the listeners, can you introduce yourself? So I'm Alyssa Gilmore. I'm a, a postdoctoral researcher in Imperial College. So I would describe myself as an accidental scientist. Um, I actually originally wanted to, be, to work with animals and be a veterinary surgeon. And um, I think it's kind of really important to show that people just sometimes don't always start on the path that is right for them. I'm Irish. I didn't get into the, there's only one course in the entirety of Ireland that does veterinary. That's it. I didn't get in. Um, so I decided I would do science first and then with the science degree you can, you can bypass and go into veterinary and instead I just fell in love with science and it was totally the right calling for me and um, my goals completely and utterly changed and shifted and it's just something that I've always been really really passionate about since then and I'm really grateful that the path led me this way I guess and when I was working in my PhD I actually had an opportunity to go back to the university um, that taught veterinary and teach biochemistry to veterinary students. And it was this real like full circle moment of like, this is where I'm actually supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in the teaching part and the science part, not actually where I thought I wanted to be. And that was kind of the start of my mentoring and demonstrating and like um, showing, sharing my love of science for other people, with other people. So yeah, so I did, did a five year PhD in Ireland and then I've done, this is my second postdoc, but I did my first postdoc in the State University of New York. Ireland is a fantastic place, but I worked with all of the best of everybody there. And um, when I was doing my PhD, I collaborated with a lot of people. So for me, I needed to get, get more experience elsewhere. So I went to New York um, for a year, um, studying bone signaling pathways. And then I got a postdoc opportunity in Imperial College. So that's why I ended up in London. So I work with um, lupus, so autoimmunity as well. So that's kind of where I've, where I've come. I've basically, I've had all these different kind of facets, but really, really fallen in love with, with teaching and in science. Such a great story as well, how, yeah, you were going circles and I like how you say full circle moment. Yeah, it's, I think it's really important for people because people sometimes, especially, so I have younger brothers and sisters and they're doing the equivalent of their A-levels for the last couple of years 
and you know it's such a big pivotal moment like what university you're going to get into it's going to determine the rest of your life and that's not the case and sometimes actually the way that you're led and the paths that you take are actually where you're supposed to end up and you just kind of need to trust the process as well like I had the same experience to be honest as you said it's about trusting the process and trusting yourself which is hard but uh, easier said than done <laughs> but yeah it's uh, like it's good to see that you to hear like examples from you like real life example that this actually happens so you say you yeah you feel like a like a teacher or like your love and mentoring can you elaborate a bit on this yeah I think that in science especially there's so especially for women in science I've, I've mentored a lot of women in different aspects and I think that um it's really important for you to empower other people. There's this kind of culture of, you know, people who've been in the lab for, you know, 10 years and they must know everything. And there's this kind of hierarchy of, you know, talking down to people and to just, this is the right way, this is the wrong way, you're doing it wrong. And this is very negative experience. And I'm a really optimistic person um, and I, really have a joy and a love for science and for teaching other people and regardless whether they're scientists I've also have you know talked I've done talk series um to just public engagement talks and to to patients as well at different aspects of my career as well to date too so I really just enjoy talking to people about what I'm passionate about and I think that with mentoring I think it's really really important that you actually build people up and those foundations start really, really early in your career. So from your undergraduate, but also master's and PhD students, I think it's really important for you to explain why you're doing things, not just what you're doing, to give people the tools that they need to get to the next level, to be able to figure out and break down their own processes themselves, but also to learn to trust people. So to build them up for success. So, you know, take the training wheels off at some point and let them shine and realize I love that moment where people realize that they've actually done it themselves. And I have not had a single hand in anything. They've planned it. The experiments worked and they did it all themselves. And that's that really, really important building block for I can do this. And it's the start of that kind of resilience and, and passion for research. I think that is really, really important. So inspiring to hear you, you speak like this. Yeah, I love I love how you said that mentoring is about being the like building people up yeah. I think it's so refreshing to hear that and I love how you say that what is really like enjoyable for you and like what is so fulfilling for you is to see people achieving things by themselves and you're not really taking credit for it you're just letting letting them shine and I think sometimes yeah. that is so hard to do when you're mentoring because you really want to like you know, being acknowledged for like everything that you've done for this person. But it's so important, as you said, to sometimes like step down and let other people shine. Yeah, I think it's really, really important that anybody I've actually taught or met, I would generally say mentored rather than taught. Um, but anybody I have had that relationship with, it's a it is a relationship and it's something you're building on week by week. I mean, I have been I've been quite mean at times as well too where I've taken I, I took a previous master's student's phone off her because she couldn't do calculations by herself and I was like nope you're gonna learn you're gonna learn the process you're gonna figure it out I know you can do it here's a pen and paper do you know what I mean but um I always make sure that people are going to succeed in what they're setting out to do um, and I think you can be there as a as a support and as the safety net um, but realistically, what you're trying to do is to kind of promote them to be independent researchers of themselves as well, too. And then hopefully they'll carry that forward as well. 
And um, so there's kind of a chain reaction of I had this really positive experience and I want to want to um, pass it on to someone else as well, too. Very nice. I also I read in I think in the description you gave about yourself that uh, you say become the role model you wish you had. So this one is actually a sentence which really stuck with me because I really I really feel like this is wow. <laughs> For me, it's because of, of past experiences I yeah. had, which I now want to improve with the future with myself. So I don't know. Did you also have similar experiences? Yeah. So a lot of people would say, that, so you know, you you have these different bar barriers as being a woman in science or in STEM, especially. Anyway, you have a you can you can either see these as something that is going to change you, and you know you're going to continue on in these same roles, or you can you can change be the change I suppose that that promotes something more optimistic and um, I have definitely had some difficulties especially so for example I had a previous uh, supervisor who had really really struggled a female supervisor who had really really struggled to get to a senior position and they had had to fight for it they'd had to do all of this extra work they had had a really difficult ride of it so they turned around and said they wouldn't support me or help me in achieving any of my career aspirations because if they had to have it hard I had to have it hard too and that was something that really stuck with me because that's a kind of that was her perspective and that is something that obviously that that is where she chose to take that information and how she chose to use it but that's not something that I wanted to see on myself so uh, instead of being angry about it or you know taking that on and going well I'm going to give everybody else a hard time I basically said, okay, that's a lesson for me right there. So if you, if I don't see an opportunity for someone, I want to create it for the people who come after me. I want to make it easier with every iteration of scientists so that we just get to a point where it is equal and that we do have a lot more women in more senior roles. And I think it's really important that you take these, I suppose, these barriers, I suppose, and you can learn from them. So The point there was I don't want to be that person. Well, what do I want to change? So it was it was it was always me seeing myself in her position and then saying, what would I do to my students? What would I do to help them? And that has kind of carried me through the whole way. Yeah, thank you for sharing this. It's really interesting, and especially it's yeah, I'm a bit shocked by by the the reaction as well of, of of this person. Somehow, like I don't fully understand it, but then I can sort of you know understand like where she's coming from because. Maybe, you know, you can feel that it's unfair that people would have like, would have it easier than you did when you struggled so much and you don't want to see like other people just rising up so easily when you had to go through like so, so, so many barriers. So I can sort of understand. But then, as you said, like, I think that's just not the right man mindset to be in, especially in STEM. Like science is about bringing people together to make good science and to go forward, I think. Exactly. So, You're taking uh, like, absolutely the right approach. And uh, I actually wanted to ask you, because I know you're part of the EDI committee at Imperial College. So maybe can you elaborate on what kind of work you do within this committee? Yeah, uh, so we have a committee. So it's a Athena Swan, which is promoting women in STEM. Um, and then also the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Committee have kind of formed one big committee at the moment. I've actually been involved in in some form for the four four years that I've been in Imperial um, College. When I first started, there was obviously um, more women in undergraduate degrees, or about actually even between undergraduate um, women and men in, in STEM um, uh, roles. And then at uh, master's and postdoc or PhD level, 
there was actually more women than men, but then you see it dropping off. And there's not this retention of women going forward into more senior roles. So the important thing was to look at why is that happening? And a lot of the time it is because there's no support in place. But actually, a lot of the um, difficulties going forward are also embedded in this misogynistic and boys club kind of remit which is that you know well women are going to go on maternity leave so why would we have a woman in this senior role when a man would be able to be here full-time whereas a woman might take time off and there's this 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 looking in on how the performance of women um goes forward over time and this is in general not just imperial this is in general in in science in all research this is what happens what we've seen now from 2018 to 2020 is that in 2018, there was more women than men up until about lectureship, and then it completely dropped off. And it was less than 20% in, of women were in more senior roles, such as professor or senior, senior lecturer. And by 2020 in our department, now it is a little bit of a restructuring. There is now an increase in women uh, to two senior roles further um, than there had been previously. There's actually more women than men. And then the senior professors have increased to 30% rather than less than 20%. So only in two years time by changing um, simple, simple measures such as having equal representation on in interview panels, which is something that you can always ask for. So you should always have at least one woman on an interview panel. And for, you know, for changing and giving more support to people so they can go for opportunities from actually there's been a lot of mentoring and to to support networking within the departments has been kind of a lot of different changes that have already started to see some real, real value, um, which I think is really, really important. And I suppose the other thing as well is that people are looking at uh, things differently because our um, parental leave has also changed as well, too, so we can now share have shared parental leave between both parents. And then that actually obviously changes people's perception too, because, you know, actually you're just looking at an, a, a staff and an employee member rather than their gender, which really, really will hopefully impact career progression. Something I learned um, really early on, which I found was fascinating, is that there's actually been some studies on women who have taken maternity leave. Basically, people say that, you know, oh, well, you know, you're publications drop off when you do this your scientific input into the world has has decreased based on men and however if you actually look look at it there is obviously a drop uh, when women are on maternity leave because they're taking that time but once they come back they match or exceed the publications of any man that has been in their department but that is not taken into account what they look at is the year that you, t- you know, the nine months that you took off, they don't actually look at, well, actually on the lifetime career of that, that scientist, they've actually exceeded um, at every single goal. And if you averaged it out over the years, they've done exceptionally well, but uh, instead it's just looked at this very, very narrow window. So I think it's really important to look at that from a career perspective as well too. Definitely, that's so interesting. And it's also really motivating uh, to see how the numbers match up. I like the point about publications and actually, Someone told me like during COVID, it was interesting to see that women published a lot less than men, like because of COVID, because of the, you know, yes. they're at home caring for children. So I don't know if you saw that as well. I didn't feel, but I guess it was the same. Yes, I did. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there has been a lot. Um, there's a, a bigger burden on women in general um, to take a lot more of the household duties on top of 
um, research and that obviously impacts in those in those ways. That's definitely something that needs to be more balanced going forward. Definitely. For myself, just because you've mentioned it briefly, so you said um, one woman per interview panel. And if there is none, we can actually ask for that. So in a lot of in a lot of universities, you should be able to ask for that. If they are under the the guidance of like going for these best practice, you should be able to ask for um, equal representation. And that also it would be ideal if all of the panels were also not just white men and there was other ethnicities and um, representation involved. Obviously, there is some difficulty with having um, balanced, fully balanced panels as well, because normally you'd have to have people in a step or two above you interviewing you. So in order for there to be enough people to be able to interview you, we need to get more people into those senior roles as well, too. So it's kind of a bit of a catch-22 situation where we need to also build on the staff that we've got currently. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important. Like we had um, Elena Dodd on the podcast previously, and she's the president for the Women in STEM group at Imperial. And she said exactly the same thing as you did, you know, like, if we don't have women in more senior positions, then what, like, how can you expect other young women to like aim for these roles if they're just not there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same for like women of colors in senior positions. And I think that's really, really important. And it, there should be representation at all levels to be able to, to feel like, no, this is somewhere I can see myself because it is really, really difficult to see yourself somewhere when you can't see anybody that looks like you there. Definitely. One other question, I mean, Selena and I were chatting about, so you're engaged in LGBT activism and gender equality. Can you maybe elaborate a bit more on what this means and how you're yeah, grabbing it? I would describe myself as pansexual or bisexual, and I have been um, quite involved in the LGBT community. Um, I came out when I was 14, so it's been quite a while now. I won't say how many years, but um, <laughs> but uh, basically it's always been really important to me um, to be part of something bigger as well. So that that includes science. I think, I mean, like stuff like this, like podcasts and everything, like it's really great to be part of something bigger than just your research as well, too. And I think that my LGBT and gender equality um, has always been kind of a big factor in my life for quite a number of years. So in Ireland, I was involved in, um, when I mean gender equality, I don't mean female representation in universities. I mean uh, working with uh, getting rights for people who are transgender. Um, and um, we were working with the government in Ireland to uh, change legislation in Ireland to allow uh, people to change their birth certificates so they could get degrees in their names, passports in their names, that kind of thing, and actually have their gender marker that was that matched. So that was actually a really, really long process and it took 10 years. But we did actually um, get that overturned um, quite a few years ago now. So um, that has legislation has been brought in, which is fantastic. Obviously, there's still more work to be done in all of these cases as well, too. But it is um, a huge, huge impact that that's had. Obviously, in Ireland, we've also had the ability to get married. I think these are really, really important points. And it all kind of stems back to how I see you helping the next generation within my lifetime in Ireland when I was born it was illegal to be gay and you could be jailed for it so in my lifetime I've already seen the decriminalization of that but also now gay marriage 
And now we have we can have gender recognition in Ireland, too. So there's been these huge processes that have moved forward for the next generation. Then they have these things in place and they can do a next step better. And um, so over the past year, I've been working with um, Imperial 600, which is the LGBT society here. There is lots of like web pages on what all these different terms mean for people so that people can get a little bit more engaged and also just making sure that Imperial is going to be a safe space for people who are LGBT or um, and the transgender community, anybody who's trans as well too, and making sure provisions are in place. So one example of that is that uh, the UK government have basically had this process um, where they were going to change the method of getting gender recognition um, in the UK to match what is in Ireland and instead the current government has decided not to follow through with that and to actually scrap all of the reports that have been put in place and pretend it never existed and so in doing that and there's a lot of uncertainty for people there's definitely a lot of uncertainty for under 18s because there's currently a number of legal battles that are happening in the courts at the moment to prevent under 18 year olds from accessing any medication so some of the medication that um young teens would be put on are hormone blockers which basically prevents puberty from happening stops puberty so that then when you're older you can choose whether to go by the biological hormones or whether to inject other hormones and it allows you to make that choice it doesn't do anything other than stop that process from happening under current legislation they're trying to prevent any child from going on of those which would mean that they would go through full puberty and then have to have surgery and all of these other assessments and when they're older if they want to um, go as as, I suppose be themselves they're also um, contemplating bathroom access and whether people should be allowed to use the bathroom that they they wish to use um, and so that was something that we were we were talking about imperial to make sure that our gender neutral bathrooms which are just single stall bathrooms remain single stall bathrooms for anybody to use we actually have written policies that imperial are going to implement to make sure that everybody is is safe regardless of of what else is going on in the world as well which i think is really important wow yeah. i can't even impress like express myself but wow this was Thank you for sharing all of this. This was so insightful. Yeah. Thanks for being so transparent yes. and honest. Because I, I understand that maybe, you know, this can be uncomfortable for you to share. But honestly, this is so eye-opening. There were so many things that you said that I wasn't even aware. And I'm ashamed to say that I wasn't aware. No, I think, I think again, it's one of those things where um, I very much know a lot of my history. And I, I think that's something as well that has been really, really evident in a lot of different ways in the last year, especially. Um, but a lot of people are obviously very, very concerned about coronavirus and this pandemic. And a lot of the LGBT community have actually been talking about the AIDS crisis. The reason why there's not a lot of elders in the LGBT community is because they all died. They were part of that that wave of people who who succumbed to this horrific disease and were just forgotten about and were left in hospitals with nobody to care for them. And it's been kind of eye opening how much change can happen in such a quick amount of time when you've got the resources and you've got people, you know, who want to implement vaccines and, you know, all of these great things that are happening. And I really, really do hope that some of the mRNA vaccines that are being developed for HIV actually are really functional. Um, but it is really, really important to, to, to recognize that there's been huge difficulties from people before us. 
and that you know we're just the next stepping stone in this and that we just need to try and make the world a better place for for those after us as well too bizarrely I actually feel like I have had more barriers being a woman in STEM than I have been an LGBT person in STEM I actually haven't really seen many many instances where it's actually affected me with one exception that I never told anybody in America that I was queer because that was just not the space for it. New York has um, a right to carry and I just didn't really uh, feel safe um, kind of displaying that there but at any other time I've always been really really open about it. I like people asking questions even in the lab I love people asking questions when people ask me why it's like that's great you know you're actually understand you're trying to understand the process you're not just mimicking actions you're learning something from it um yeah definitely encouraging people and empowering people to just be part of something is is really important what would be your top tips for young women entering academia and who wish to like pursue a career in that field um So, okay, so I've learned a lot of different things from from all my different experiences. Um, One would definitely be to not, so it's it's good to to be able to say, I want to reach, you know, I want to be a professor, I want to do this and have these goals in place. But don't be swayed if that doesn't happen. And that's something that's actually really, really difficult as you're on that road, because you're like, I'm not, I'm not getting to the path that I thought I want to be. But if anything has definitely taught me, I have like gone on a different path and I absolutely adore it. And, and Uh, academia isn't everything for everybody and that it's not just the only path as well too something that I've recently learned from my current job is um, I got to uh, do a collaboration with a pharmaceutical a couple of different pharmaceutical companies and originally I was one of those people who was just like pharmaceutical you know you're selling your soul you're not going to go down that route you know it's academia or it's pharmaceuticals you don't do both and actually I see the the value in what they do and like the perspective that they have and actually it's just using a different skill set so don't box yourself in kind of trying to just aim for one particular route and be open to change be open to other paths that, that might open themselves up to you if you can find a mentor it's an amazing asset and I would totally recommend anybody. There's a lot of different groups at universities that have mentoring programs as well too, where you can meet up and have coffee with people off pandemic pending. You can have virtual coffee with people um, and learn what they've done as well along the route as well. Um, it's really important to be resilient as a woman in STEM, I think as well too, to acknowledge that sometimes things are definitely going to be difficult. Um, but also other people have gone through the same things you have. So don't be afraid to ask for help sometimes as well, too. That's not a failure. I would actually see asking for help as something that takes a lot of courage. A bit of a probably a bit of a controversial one. But um, I would say that uh, think about what you're asked to do when you are in a academic role as a woman. So. Other people, definitely other women that I've worked with have been asked for things like book your boss's train tickets to this conference that they're going to do. Or could you just do this work but as a team member, not actually for credit on a paper? Because, you know, you're, if you're a real team member, then you'll definitely, you know, you know, we'll get you back sometime. And I would just say, like, look at the, the things that you're being asked to do. And if, if you're being asked to do them because you're a woman, not 
and other potentially men that you're working with aren't being asked to do the same things what are you actually benefiting from that and really think about whether you want to do those things because they are wasting your time you're not going to get anything from it uh another one i suppose is that a lot of universities give you training days so i would just recommend you actually put the time away when you're busy it's really difficult to put time into your career but it's the time you should be putting and these extra things into your career as well too and benefiting um yourself in those ways and then i guess I, I suppose like be part of something bigger than just your research and um, I think it's important to have perspective in different ways so, like things like this podcast are a really great way of like networking meeting people but also being involved in something bigger and um, being on committees or helping to organize conferences or doing something that allows you to meet other people to, for other people to see you to see your talents something that I really learned it's a bit of a sidetrack sorry but <laughs> something I really learned in my current job is I am um, my postdoc was on um, transcriptomics in uh, lupus patients and actually it was a consortia I think it was 12 universities in the UK were all working on different aspects of this it was an amazing way of doing research um, human research because we had patient collaborators as part of that too and we got to talk to the patients they were giving us their real life advice and like expertise on like how it is to deal with this disease on a day-to-day basis and that totally changed how I did research so I wanted to make sure that I had a patient focus. I didn't just want to improve my science. I also wanted to do something that helped improve their life. And I think that if you instill that kind of passion on being part of a committee or being part of something else, it gives you this kind of well-rounded look on life and look on your research as well too. And that, you know, then if something doesn't happen, like that experiment didn't work out today, it's no big deal because you've got all these other aspects and you don't just focus on on one thing and then um yeah just to reiterate I guess like be the person that you wish you could have had at the start of your research I think it's really important to make time for people to share the things that you've learned with other people um, and to really help people do well because it's more important to get other people to do well as well rather than to put them down And I just don't think that's a really good thing that needs to be in research. I think that we just need to work together and work towards something much, much greater. Uh, I think if more people started doing that, then it would be a wonderful place to work. And so one final question that we always ask all our guests. So what is your favorite word or quote and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, (laughs) I guess like the one that I use a lot is empowerment. I think it means a lot of different things to different people. It can be used in different contexts. And I think that if people can genuinely feel feel the definition of that word and feel like they can achieve anything, then that is the greatest gift you can give to people. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Thank great. you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Alyssa as much as we did. Check out the show notes if you wish to learn more about Alyssa's work, LGBT legislations, gender equality, and how to get involved. We will take a little break whilst we prepare our next season, but stay tuned for some bonus content. Please reach out on social media to let us know what your thoughts are of this first season, what you would like to see more of in our platforms, and any guests you would like us to have on in the future. If you wish to support our work, please check out our link tree where you can find a link to donate.
As always, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. 